Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. I want to continue on a topic that I started talking on a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to speak out of Psalm 78 to start with. It's something that I've just had on my heart uh, for a season, and I think it's important that we talk about this. In Psalm 78, the writer was, was talking, and it was actually him just sharing what was on God's heart, and he was rehearsing with God's people what had happened to the nation of Israel. And basically what he's saying is, is they were being rebuked. I mean, he had been so good to them. God had been so good to him and he brought them out of the land of Egypt and he had done all these miraculous signs for them and they just constantly turned away. He just kept doing wonderful things for their lives and they just turned away from him. I don't know if you know anybody like that. Maybe we could raise our hand and say, well, that was me at one point. You know I mean? God's trying to speak into your heart and life and they just kept turning away. You go right in the middle of this passage in Psalm 78. In verse 39, I want to read uh, this to you through 41. It says, for he remembered that they were but flesh. God remembered people are just flesh. A breath that passes away and does not come again into flesh. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God. And the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. My sermon title today is the continuance of what I started a couple weeks ago, but it's a different topic in a sense. We limit God. You say, well, you can't limit God. God's unlimited. I'm telling you, God's unlimited, but you have the ability to limit his movement in your life. And people are all the time getting frustrated with God because they think, well, if he's unlimited, he would have done this for me. And what he's saying is, if you want to access me, then you need to be doing this. It's a partnership that we sign up for when we become a Christian. Last week, God doesn't just sovereignly control everything. Now, that's a tough topic. It really is. And I I was talking to some people afterwards, and and they were saying, well, I was hoping that God's people were receiving. And I was looking around, and I think they were, because this is controversial. You read this all the time. Don't worry, honey, God's in control. Well, if God's in control, then some of the things I'm watching in our nation wouldn't be happening. Well, what I understand what they're saying is, God is the owner of all of this, and he's going to redeem the time. He's, all of these things, I can speak all the Christian words to say I understand that, but to a heathen who you say God's in control, then they start blaming him. Like he's the problem here. And what I'm telling you is this sermon is for us to understand that we can limit God. I want to ask you this. What would be the point in seeking him if he just controls everything? Uh, Just some things that, well, I never thought about that. Well, you might want to. See, because if you're not seeking him, 
then you're coming against the word. And the Bible tells you to seek that he, you can find. Okay, well, if you can seek that you can find, then he's obviously looking for you to do something. And he's not making you do it. It's a choice that you have to do it or, or, or to not. See, everything that is happening is not always God's will. And you can go right back to the garden and know that. Everything that happens is not God's will. You can limit God. He has a plan for you, but it doesn't work until you start seeking him and believing that his plan for your life will come to pass because you're signed up and hooked up. Now, I want you to know, as a disclaimer, God can take anything, even bad, that happens and work it for your good. But it doesn't mean that God caused the bad. So you got, you got to know that. If you're not seeking him and his will for your life, there is no way you're going to accidentally fulfill it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not giving a one, two, three sermon today. I'm just talking. And there's going to be a lot of just little one-line things that I'm going to say that I, have, I was praying this morning that you would latch onto and go, okay, that was for me today. That was for me. Because I don't think it's an accident you're here and God has something for you. And so there's going to be a few little things that I say, and maybe that's it. If you're not seeking him and his will for your life, there's no way you're going to accidentally fulfill it. See, I think that you've got to be seeking after him to fulfill his plan for you. It doesn't mean that you can write it all out from beginning to end. I was praying with my wife this morning. God, I, I know that it's great being in your plan and in your, your will for our life, but really, we don't have it all figured out from now till the end. So we're seeking you, and we're believing you to fill in all those blanks. We're, we're believing you for the outcome, whatever that is. So I'm not taking faith out, but I'm telling you, we've got to continually be looking, is this God's plan and will for where I'm at and what I'm doing? And if you're seeking him, he's not hiding from you. He's findable. And he's going to help you figure this out. Ephesians 5, verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, from living life like there's no kingdom principle in it. Right. Awake, awake, O sleeper, rise up. See, carefully determine what pleases the Lord, and, and it even goes on to say in verse 11, expose worthless deeds of evil. How do you expose something that's in darkness? Light. That's how you expose something that's in darkness. Uh, and it's not talking about being woke up from being dead physically, it's talking about your spiritual and mental life. Where are you at? Wake up. Darkness, if you were to give a definition for darkness, it just means the absence of light. When you look at work, when you look at our world, when you look at different things going on, you go, man, it's just dark here. You know what brings comfort? Light. You ever been to a restaurant that's really dark? It's always the high dollar ones too. It's like they turn down the lights. I'm like, what are you trying to hide? 
My greatest comfort in dark restaurants is a cell phone. <laughs> light. I turn that little light on, and I can finally see the menu. And you check out of your food, make sure it's all right. You know, there's a, a lot of things that, that we understand. Okay, it's dark in here. Well, the only thing that eliminates darkness is light. Are you getting this point? We have a dark world. Well, guess what? You have a job, and that's to expose the darkness. And the way you do that is through Christ living in and through you, and then it lights up the situation. Darkness is just the absence of light. When people start cussing around you or telling dirty jokes, or you're like, man, I don't know about that, you just flip that light on. What do you mean? I don't know when they're talking, say, well, praise God. Well, that's not really worthy of praising God. No, but you're trying to bring something in that's not. And that's light. Something you, we're not praising him for the joke or the cussing. That's all. What I'm trying to say is, is you've got a responsibility in a dark world to be light. I always find it amusing when I'm at places, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to use this word amusement later, but I'm, I'm amused at people sometimes. I don't know if you've got people watchers or not. But you're in a situation, if you go to Washington, D.C., you're around a lot of people. And, I mean, you're trying to figure out. And real quick, if you just listen to conversation, you can figure out who they are and what they are. And so I start listening to conversation, and I'm like, oh, man, that's not good. Well, if you ever say, well, what do you do? And they start talking about what they do. And then you say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, and I have a job. But most of the time, Christians start talking about what they do for a living when they say, what, what do you, I'm just giving you a little key right here. This is one of them one, what do you do? Well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a Christian. I try to live it out and I have a job. Are you asking what my job is or who I am? Because a lot of times we identify life with what we do at work. We're looking for amusement, and I kind of suffer from that every once in a while myself. I want to be amused. I mean, amusement is entertainment. And so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because everybody's hands should go up. How many times do you find yourself just saying, well, I just like to be amused? I mean, you're even sitting in church on Sunday morning sometimes going, come on, amuse me. I mean, I can read faces. (laughs) Come on, do something to entertain me. Well, there's an interesting breakdown of the word amusement. So I'm, I'm kind of going off on a little rabbit trail, but this is interesting. Amusement is something that in the dictionary says, I like to be entertained. It's an emotional response that you're looking for in entertainment. Well, when you break the word down, amuse, the word muse means think. Like meditating on the word of God. I, I'm going to muse. I'm, I'm going to spend my time w- working with my mind. It, it, it's, it's interesting because muse means living with something in mind. But when you put uh on the front end of it, Melanie loves this stuff. So I'm, thought, I'm, just, I'm not trying to one-up her, but this is good. The first part of this word, amuse, means when put before a word, it means the absolute negative or opposite. So if muse means to think or to meditate, and a, A-H, means 
the opposite, it means the exact opposite or negative, then amuse means the absolute non-use of your brain. It means living with nothing in mind. And we've got a society that's, they can't wait to be amused. I just, amuse me, amuse me. Why? So that I don't have to use my brain and, and I, I just, I, I can live without having to think. That's what most people are into. They want to be amused. They want to do nothing. You watch if you go out into town and you're sitting at a restaurant or anywhere and we find ourselves having to, whoa, stop. We st- everybody at the table is looking at their phone and half of them are looking at TikTok. Why? Because they're looking to be amused. They want to do something that somebody else had a brain to do. And they want to take no active part with their own brain. I, I, I didn't mean, I'm, not, I'm talking about everybody, but the people here that went to no. But people are into this. They want to do nothing. They get home from work and they want to do nothing. They just want to be amused. They want to live with no use of their brain. It's called wasted time. This may be a horrible song, but my mind just went to a song. Wasted days and wasted nights. I don't, what, what are we doing in life? We're just wasting time. And, and we're just sitting there letting someone else do all our thinking. Please don't let that be in churches. Boy, boy Hannah, when she set up the service this morning, what a great job. You bring in an act of, this is not just what the pastor went and studied. This has to be all of us together going somewhere. I don't want anybody to leave the same way they came in. Well, the only way you don't leave the same way you came in if you come in and get something. And then you can leave difference. See, it's, it's an ungodly principle uh, to seek after amusement all the time. I'm seeking after something where there's no light, where there's no Jesus, because Jesus allows us to think different, to operate different, to change life where we are at. And, and so Ephesians 5 does a really good job of this. In verse 15, it says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise. There's wisdom in life. Our days are evil. It seems to be going in the wrong direction, not a good direction. We've got to have some Christians wake up. Arise. Do something different. Don't look like a fool. Live like you're wise in life, and people will want what you got because when you expose the light on darkness, the darkness oftentimes gets mad. But when you expose the light on darkness and they see that your exposing is actually really wise, they have something to go to. It's a real practical message today, but I think it's one that needs taught. So many in the body of Christ don't have a direction or even an idea of what God's will is for their life. And because they're not seeking after, they're not wanting God's will, they just want to be amused all the time, they're limiting God. They're limiting what God could be doing for them. Most people are just doing whatever is happening and they're, they're looking for a job or they've got a job and I've been hired and I'm here and I'm, I'm just gonna, I've been here 30 years and it's the same job. And, and, and now don't miss my point because <laughs> there's something about staying at the same job. But is your will or God's will the reason why you're there 30 years. 
See, you need to know that. That's a question that I'm asking you today. And I'll have people come up and they'll pray. Will, will you just pray for success for me? That's hard for me because what is, will you just pray that we'll have a victory here? Well, what is victory for you? What is success for you? What, what do you I mean, where, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Well, I'm looking for this job, and then I'm looking for this job, and then I'm looking for this job. What I'm telling you is, are you ever looking for God to be glorified in my life? Yeah. See, we're always pushing a plan, but our plan is void of God, and then we're limiting what the plan could be or what he wants it to be. I, 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 I love it when someone says, hey, will you, will you pray for me that we'd have success in what God has asked me to do? That's a hard one for me. And I pretty much say the same thing about every time. No, I, I'm not praying about that. Because if God asks you to do it, then you've already got an anointing on what he asks you to do, and it's gone. Now, I can pray that you'll stay focused and you'll continue. But to pray that it's going to be successful or not is not. No, you've got to stay in because God, when he calls someone to do something, there's enough anointing on that call to get yeah. you to where he he wants you to go. When you're doing what God's told you to do, there's, there's, there's no doubt that you'll accomplish it because when you start doubting, you just left the will. So I'm going to do what God told me to do because in doing what he told me to do, there's enough anointing on that telling that the doing will come in line. Now, when you get a word from God, you just don't have to ask God to bless it. You don't have to wonder if it's going to work out. You just got to know that it's going to come to pass. What is happening here at Christian Ministries Church, I want you to know, is called by God. I believe that with all that I am. And I, I don't anymore lay around worrying about it. I mean, you can ask my wife. I'm, she's sitting right on. I don't sit here and worry about the move that God has here because he called it. I don't... I don't have trouble going to sleep at night based on what's going on at church. Now, some people do. And what I want to encourage you is when God calls something, there's enough anointing on it to see it succeed. And so you getting worried about it. All right, we can talk about church and the pastor all the time, but you've got to make this application into your own life. But this is my story. It's careful, it's careful that we take the word and we use it for our life. See, it says to be careful how you live after you've been illuminated, after you have Christ and there's light in you. Be careful how you live and you need to walk wise. God has a plan for every person in this room. How many of you believe that? Parents, you need to be teaching your children this. Well, I don't know what you're, what do you think I ought to do, Dad? What do you think I ought to do, Mom? What do you, what do you think I ought to do? I think you need to follow God. See, he has a plan and a will for your life, and you need to know without a shadow of a doubt that he's called you to be right where you are right now at this very moment. He's called you to work where you're working. He's called you to be in the church you're attending. He's called you to do the things you are doing if you are seeking him. So don't get mad at the church. Don't get mad at the work. Don't get mad. If you're seeking God, then he's called you where you're at. If you're not seeking God, you might wonder where you're supposed to be. But if you're seeking God, you're right where you need to be. 
This is a tough concept and it's easily said, it's hard lived. But if you are seeking God and you're worried about where you're at, you've missed the concept I'm trying to teach today. God has a plan and will for your life. And if you're seeking him, you're not wondering. You're living anointed. You're where you're at because God called you there. All your effort should be invested in the call of God on your life. And too many people are just asking about where I work. Is that my call? No. What your call is is serving God wherever you're at. I probably say this a hundred different ways, but you've got, I really want you to understand that God's plan for your life is multifaceted. It's got a lot of areas. It's your job, your church, your family, your marriage, your life, your being a parent, your being a son or daughter. Some people think that only the leadership of the church has a call on their life, and that's not true. And I think it's got to be preached. God has called me to do what some call ministry. But the reason you're in church today is to get equipped for the work of the ministry. So how can the leadership only be called to ministry? Well, you in the ministry, yep, and you should be too. Because God's plan and will for your life is multifaceted. Psalm 139, verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. You might read Psalms. Because you are wonderfully complex. And you go, yeah, I know. I'm about as complex as they make them. No, no, no. God made you wonderfully complex. And it's not a negative. It's a positive. And he formed all of you, and so he knows that there's a plan for you to live according to what he's asked you to do. You didn't do anything to control coming into this world. Well, I thought I'd be born on June 12th, 1970. You're ignorant. No one chooses their birthday. No one here chooses their birthday. God chose it. See, there's just, whether your parents knew you were coming or not, you're not an accident, according to what Psalm says. I mean, Psalm 139, just real quick, you're not an accident. I formed you. I took care of all this. Well, you don't know the circumstances. I don't have to know the circumstances. I read Psalm 139. You didn't do anything to control where you were born who you were born to, you didn't, when you, none of that you had in control of. And many think that, here's, here's the thing, many people think that when they decided to follow Christ, that's when Christ became aware of them. That's not true. Yeah. It wasn't when you followed Christ, it's just at that point, you don't put any limits on him. See, it's at that point, you don't have to limit God anymore. 
you follow Christ, but he's had his eye on you the whole time. Let me give you a quick, this is, a, this is really cool. Hebrews 1.14, and I think I'm way more excited about it than some of you. So, But after you hear it, I'm looking for this same look. Hebrews 1.14, therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. That ought to be a comfort for some of y'all praying for kids or relatives to be saved. God, thank you that you're sending people. You're sending people. You're sin- angels were sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. There's angels right now that I believe are encircling some people that I've been praying that they'd wake up. Why? Because God has just as big a desire to see them saved before they were saved. God doesn't just come on the scene once you're saved. Some one, two, threes? No, no, no. There's a whole lot here. It doesn't matter male or female, race, background, economic status. God made you. He gave you talents, and he gave those talents for his glory, and that's to further the kingdom of God. You know, I shouldn't have to talk about these things to Christians, but the world has taught this, and the church has been influenced and even brought wrong teaching into it. Uh, We have people that claim Christianity that are voting for abortion. I have a problem with that. I'll find out their record real quick, and if they've ever voted or have any intent to vote against life, and life, God says, was started in the womb, so I have a real problem. Well, I'm not, well, when was it in the You're just fighting the wrong battle. I'm going to fight for life. And if you're not going to vote for it, that's the first thing I need to ask anyone or find out. Where does your, well, what does that matter? I'm not even voting on that for local office. That's, I want all of life paradigm. Yes. Your whole life existence yes. will be determined based on how you view life. That's right. That's right. That's so good. I, I'm not even going to go down that road, but I think it's important to know that you're fearfully, wonderfully complex. You are made by God and he has a plan for your life from the very beginning. You're the one that chooses not to. See, he wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved according to scripture. That's God's plan and his will for you. For your kids, mom and dad, he wants them to be saved. So don't limit God in saving them. Well, how would I do that? Don't make church important or God important in your own life and set a wrong example and then you wonder why they're not. See, there there is a responsibility that we have for God to come in and partner up with us and us to see the results of his plan and will for our life. I I just, people live frustrated with work like it's not God's plan for you to work. Okay, I got to spend some time here. Because the Holy Spirit just really, right when I said that, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I was hoping he wouldn't go there. God's plan is for us to go to work. Now, what part of work, you figure that out. Where to work, I don't know, you figure that. Your talents and giftings, you might kind of look at that. You can't hold a note, you're probably not good for a music teacher. You can't sing, you can't play an instrument, but I'm, I'm going to be a music teacher one. Help your kids. Somebody needed to help those that tried out for American Idol. I mean, they, somebody, help them see the giftings that they walk in. And, and there's, there's such joy and contentment being in God's will and people live frustrated going to work and they look at work as a necessary evil. Yeah. If it's God's will for you to work, 
then do you think it should produce frustration and frustration and I mean and frustration and frustration and discontentment and I'm frustrated every time I go I don't want to go anymore I can't stand it now, and people will say this all, just thank God it's Friday I don't ever hear anybody say thank God it's Sunday how about, let's, let's rephrase this, T-G-I-S, you start the restaurant. We don't, we just are frustrated with work, and work is not a dirty four-letter word. Yes, it's four letters, but it's not a dirty four-letter word. You just can't wait to get off work. Why? So you can go be amused. I really want to help someone this morning. I, I Please hear me. I'm not here to put anybody down. But I, I just really felt like God had laid this on my heart for today. Never accept a job solely based on pay and benefits. And most people use that as the key ingredient of whether they would take that job or not. See, be thrilled about the job that God has placed in your life. And make sure you're walking in an area that God has gifted you to walk in. And always know God will call you to do something beyond what you're able to do on your own. That way you have a dependency upon him. So if you're frustrated, frustration probably is a wake-up call to know God's taking you to a different level. And you got to figure out how to walk in that new level. And we'll blame a job instead of knowing that God just is taking you somewhere that's uncomfortable. And he's going to, he, I know I'm helping somebody today. I'm looking around and I'm seeing some smiles, some nodding. You, you got to hear me. It's, a, it's, it's tough. That new place is tough. But you can know that if you're at peace with God and you've been seeking him, you're going to be a light where you are and God's plan has enough anointing to take you to the next level without keeping you frustrated where you're at. Once again, if you're frustrated, I ask you, are you seeking God? God called me to preach. And even though I had been on stage my whole life, I was a little concerned about talking in front of people. See, when you sing a song, the words are already written, and all you got to do is memorize them. And if you forget them, you just sing watermelon in place of that, and you act like you never missed a word at all. I don't know if you've ever heard Melanie or Teresa sing. They forget a word, or they sing a word different than's up there. They forgot it, but you didn't know it. Because they have replacement words, and see, the words are all there, and they just go right on. There's an anointing on worship a lot of times because you know the words, you know what you're getting ready to sing. Yeah. You know who you're singing about, and it's all right there. Wow. That's why I always want to make sure that as I'm preaching, I've always got the Word of God to back me up yes. because my words will get messed up, but when they're already written, I'm okay. Yeah. So I take the same philosophy, but before, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about it. So every time I was asked to speak, I'm like, Ugh. I don't know that I can talk. I can sing. I can sing a song to you, but I don't know about speaking it. And God called me to preach, and I'm like, okay, that's not singing. And I was a little concerned. And, and, and I, I, I just, I didn't know that I would be able to talk, and anything that I would say would be as important as somebody else had already wrote, and I'm just repeating. And the fact is, I was right. 
what someone's already wrote is worth repeating. That's the word of God. And so I was using what God had called me to do, and I was like, okay, I get this. I'm starting to get it. But countless times I've been up here, and in my own ability or by myself, I could have never preached. I will walk off stage at times, and I know that God empowered me because I don't know what I said. I don't even know what was said, and I, it wasn't mine. I mean, I used to sing on, at concerts on Saturday night, and we'd get back home at 2 or 3 or 4 in the morning, and Rick Sims, uh, he'd, he'd tell me after church, this wasn't the compliment I was looking for, but he's kind of like that. And so Rick would come up, and he'd go, Pastor, that was one of the best messages you've ever preached. And I said, I, I just, I didn't get to bed. I didn't get any sleep. And he goes, that's why it was the greatest. You weren't even there. <laughs> it, had to, it had to be all God. And I thought, man, if I could just get to be like that to where it's not me, it's just God speaking through me. But it was uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you, you'll never reach your full potential if it's all based on what your talents and ability will produce. There has to come at some point a dependency upon God for you to enter the fullness of his will. You'll not accidentally fall into God's will. We just keep saying that, and I'm going to keep saying it. The fights I have been in to continue what God has called me to do have been amazing. As I look back, and I know they're not over, fights are necessary. If you've been here the last two months, you've heard messages on fighting. The good fight, which means there's bad fights. Which ones do I need to fight? What do I need to be doing? But the fights I've been in, from the beginning, you've got to know there's been an attack on this church. Or the people in leadership here. Not just me. From the very beginning, it was questioned whether there needed to be a church at the end of Riley Drive. It was just questioned all the time from the beginning. And it got out in the community. And you know that I have a letter from a pastor that says, hey, I just want to give you something to consider. If there's this much frustration about you being there, maybe your timing's off. And when I read it, I'm like, seriously? You're a pastor who has had, I mean, I know you personally. I know my timing's off. We're not in competition. We're on the same team. How could you say that? How could you? And what I've come to learn is even God's people at times can be moved or manipulated when they're not seeking him. And I'm not saying he was or not. But I didn't bear witness with that as I was praying about it and seeking other counsel that I looked at as godly. And I'll just tell you, if you never run into the devil, it's because you're both headed in the same direction. Don't be surprised when there's a fight. When you do what God's called you to do, there will be resistance every time. But there'll be a supernatural peace and joy in the midst of you doing what God has called you to do. Come on. There, there will be. You should, you should never work to live. You join up with Christ to live. That's how you have life. 
You work since it's an opportunity to take God and make an impact and touch other people's lives and be in a light where you're at. Being right where God has planted you to brag on him in every circumstance and situation. And he will provide what you need. Even when you don't, I, all I wanted to do is brag on God. I wanted to share with people how God can heal your marriage. I wanted to share with people how God would help you with raising your kids. Your finances don't have to be in that disarray and live in the life here was outlined in the Bible so you could live with joy and contentment. That's all I wanted to do. That was our heart the whole time. And so we started doing that and all of a sudden there's an attack. Seriously, wait, all I want to do is help people. Why are you coming against what could be help? Now my prayer is, as I look around, there's a lot of people that's been helped by what God has done right here at the end of Riley Drive. So somebody was wrong. Find out what God called you to do. I'm telling you, I'd have a hard time calling a pastor anywhere that they say God had called them to do something. (laughs) Really? Jeremiah 1. His plan is better than your plan. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. That wasn't my problem, but I got the identity. I identified with, I can't speak to you. I can't speak for you. I'm sorry, not to you. I can't speak for you. I can't speak for you. You know, if you're a representative of Jesus, then you're supposed to be speaking for him. If you gave your heart and life to Jesus, part of that light being exposed comes through your mouth and it's out of the abundance of the heart, so you fill yourself up with him and you're able to speak. Now, now here's what it said. I, I can't speak for you. Oh, sovereign Lord, I, I, I can't speak for you. This is Jeremiah, verse seven. Here's what the Lord said. Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I'll be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. What a word from Jeremiah. Put him first and he'll add everything. It's to God's advantage to get you to the right spot. That's a tough one for people to hear. But he has chose you. And when you line up with that choosing, when you don't, you limit him. But when you line up to it, it puts the kingdom of God to an advantage. Because we're not limiting him. See, there was a time I dealt with what Jeremiah was dealing with. First, I had reasons as to why I couldn't do what God asked, and so do you. You got all the reasons in the world why I'm not, I'm not gonna serve on the worship team. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna volunteer for one thing at that church. I'm too busy. God gives you all the reasons not to. I'm not gonna work past five o'clock. I'm not gonna talk to this person because he's a heathen and he deserves to go to hell. I mean, I don't, there are so many thoughts that people have about things and we have reasons why we're not gonna do what God asked us to do. 
Have you ever had a reason for God as to not do what you felt compelled to do? Uh, absolutely, we all have. The second thing, I was afraid of people. And here's why. I've spent a lot of time over the last 20 years really thinking about this. I spent life trying to entertain and make people happy. Amuse them. I spent my life doing that. That's what I'd done before I preached. All I wanted to do was be a people pleaser. Because if you make everybody happy, come on, you can't just put this on me. You've got to take this and place. If I can just make everybody happy, it'll be all right. The worst thing to do is to go from being a people pleaser to a pastor. <laughs> Identify with what Jeremiah was talking about. Now that's my story, but what about yours? Are you afraid of people? I was afraid of people. The third thing is with Jeremiah, I thought I would not be protected if I started a church. They're going to kill me. They're gonna, they, because I know that I have something that's going to offend them. I'm going to hurt their feelings and, because I'm going to preach the word of God. And, and as I say the word of God, because I can't talk on my own, so I'm just going to say what you said, God. What you said is offensive to people who don't want to live by it. And see, the number four is I didn't think I could say what was really on my heart. I didn't, I didn't think I could speak out what was really on my heart. Now, this is not about a preacher calling. This is Jeremiah talking to God's people. And God answers and says, hey, don't say I can't. Don't say I can't talk. I can't say anything. Because God will make up for your lack. Don't say I can't. He didn't, he, he didn't make Jeremiah older. But he obviously gave him some credibility because it's in the word now. Millions of people, millions, not billions, have read what Jeremiah said. And he said, I'm going to make up for what, just because don't say to anybody, I'm too young and I don't have anything to say. Or I don't know how to say it. Because God says, don't say I can't. The second thing God said there is, God's going to be with you. You're not alone. I wasn't alone. I've never been alone. And at times, I feel like I'm alone. Come on, here. Somebody here is feeling like you're just all alone. God says you're not alone. And it's not based on people. It's based on him. His spirit is with you. Number three, God will protect me. I'm all about protection. I like protection. I like to be protected wherever I'm at. But there are times we put physical protection above yes. God's protection. Yes. And you need to hear me. If you don't have the God protection first, physical will do you nothing. Yep. It's a God protection. It's a God's protection. He will protect you. And I just felt like half the community hated me. And I know there's still people that do. Because I was concerned about what people thought, and it was frustrating. God, what are you doing? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to do what you said. They're going to make fun of you when you say, I'm a Christian. I go to church, and I have a job. They're going to make fun of you when you say, praise God for what he's doing in our lives when they're wanting to tell a dirty joke, or they're wanting to cuss, or they're wanting to talk in a way that when you're bringing glory to God, and they're trying to say, this is horrible in life. I'm just telling you, there. God will protect you. You need to hear that. 
And the fourth thing is God's going to take care of your lack. He is going to appoint you. He will put the words in your mouth. Come on. He's going to give you the strength and power to see this through. Here's my guess. Today, I'm not the only one who's dealt with this. Or let me say, dealing with this. I want to encourage you. You're anointed to do all that God has called you to do when you seek him first. You're anointed to do all of it. You're not too young. You're not too old. Quit being afraid. God will tell you what to say. And God will give you the words if you'll just say them. Today you're appointed to stand up and fight the right fight. Standing up doesn't mean you've arrived. It means you're headed in a direction and a plan in God's will for your life. There are steps, there are stages to arrival, but we need to at least be on our way. One thing about all through the word, it talks about being on a walk, being on a walk. See, we walking with the Lord, walking. Why? Because when you're walking, there's a next step. And yeah, you may have tripped a little bit here. You might have messed up here, but there's a next step. You get righted, but you keep walking and you keep doing what God's called you to do. There is such peace in knowing that you're on a road that God has called you to be on, even though you might not be able to see the ending. They're just, I am on the track. I'm on. I'm doing it. I'm at peace with where I'm at. Some mistakes, but plenty of victories in life. I took, I took this church call, and it didn't start out where it's at now. And I want to tell you, I was really, I hate to use this word because it's associated with fear, but I was scared because I knew that God's call was going to be a church this size. And y'all are scary. But what he said is keep your eyes on me and I'll take care of everything else. You're going to have people mad. You're going to have things, but you're going to have people that love. But it's not caught up on who loves it and who doesn't. It's caught up on my call and plan for your life. Let me just tell you, moms, dads, children, you're going to have people who love you. They agree with what you're doing. You're going to have people that don't agree with what you're doing. Don't give them the power to move you off of the path. God's the only one that has that power. Stay in. Stay in what God's called you to do. If you're frustrated about where you're at, oftentimes it's be, you need to see first that you're seeking him. And then if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're seeking him, then you move. Yeah. But don't move and say, well, I was hoping that was what you wanted me to do, God. Yeah. Seek him first. Everyone in here has a realm of influence. But many in here would be freaked out if I asked you to preach next Sunday. I mean, there would probably be a sharp intake of breath. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, I would have the same sharp intake of breath if I went to do your job. But if God called you, see what, God has called me to every area of life. It's multifaceted. How are you doing in every area? Your job's just one area. I, everyone has a realm of influence and it's based on your realm, not mine. It's based on your realm. I can't reach who you can reach. But we can all get equipped on a Sunday to go out and do the work of the ministry where we are and what we're doing in life. We need some people to stand up 
and know that they're doing what Jesus has called them to do. They're just going to stand up. See, there are times that you've got to uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow. And there are other times that you need to build up and plant. And what I can tell you is I didn't have a church plant that God called me to at the end of Riley Drive to tear down and uproot. It was to build, to plant, to build, to grow people into the kingdom of God. But there's been some uprooting. And there's been some things. And what I'm telling you is you don't have one without the other. And if you get caught up on only looking at what people think about something, I'm not saying not to look at fruit. But when you only are looking at people and you're missing God, you're going to live without a paddle on a river that's rolling pretty quick. I, I just don't want you to be there. Nothing in life happens without your participation. So you'll find that you can take limits off God. You can take the limits off God. And here's how you do it, by taking limits off yourself. Don't limit yourself in God's plan and will. Well, I, I've got this physical problem. I've got this. I've got, you don't understand. I'm, I'm this old. I'm too young. I can't do what God, I'm just telling you, the frustrations will let you know that God's getting ready to take you to a place regardless of your imperfections. He's going to take you somewhere. Don't limit God. Don't limit yourself. Find yourself seeking him, be in his plan, be alive. Did you get all that? There's a lot there. It wasn't a one, two, three, but a lot to think about. And for those of you that just like those little phrases, write some of them down and go out and try to live them. Come on, we're getting equipped to do the work of the ministry. And I pray that you are equipped today. Y'all stand with me. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.